This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast Show 336. As far as getting your feet wet, you just need to buy a house. And it doesn't even matter what it is. Just to overcome that initial fear and start your perceptual map, you just need to buy a house. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everyone? This is Brandon, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. David Green. What's up, buddy? Not much, man. I'm wearing one of my t-shirts I just bought when I was I hanging out with that. you in Hawaii, masterminding on the... Aloha, buddy. Aloha. Fancy, fancy stuff. And speaking of aloha, uh, today we are actually doing our show here in Hawaii, sort of. Uh, You'll hear a little bit more about what today's show is set up. It's basically, I've got our guest live in the studio with us. He's coming in here in a few minutes. Uh, A buddy of mine named Robert. It's going to be an awesome show. I think you guys are going to love it. But uh, David is still in California. So, you know, what's up in California, David? Oh, it's beautiful out here. The home buying season is ramping up, which is funny because we actually have a guest today who's a real estate agent and a really good one. And there's a ton of information about what to look for in an agent, how to have an agent find you deals, what to avoid, in addition to amazing advice on how to build wealth through real estate, which this guy has done a great job of. There you go. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty cool. So uh, I'm pumped. I think people are going to love this episode. In fact, today uh, on the show, I know it sounds like uh, he's coming in in a few seconds, but in reality, we already recorded this thing. But we are talking about all things like he talks about uh, how he put together some no money down or low money down deals using something called cross collateralization. We walk through that in depth, how that's done. He talks about how he got uh, this amazing deal. You're going to be blown away by this deal deep dive on how good of a deal it was, but how not good of a deal it was when he first bought it. Uh, also, let's see, uh, his trip to the Caribbean, he spent three months uh, sailing around the Caribbean or Caribbean, depending on how you say that. Really, really cool story there. Uh, and then also why you may not want to become a real estate agent. Agent. He actually is a real estate agent, but explains why you may and why you may not. So I think those are all like really just good points that he makes today. So hang tight for that. Before we get to that, let's get to today's quick tip. Quick tip. All right, Dave, you want to take it? Yes. Today's quick tip. We talk with Robert about the importance of finding your why. Look, here's the reality. For a long time, real estate investing was a niche thing that only yeah. a few people could get into because they had the knowledge that you didn't have. Well, the internet has changed that and bigger pockets in particular has changed that even more. Now, there is no excuse for why you're not investing in real estate or growing your wealth through real estate because the information is out there and the knowledge is available. What holds most people back is bravery. Yeah. Now, you could try to be braver just by willing yourself to do it, but that's not going to work for most people. What does work for people is having a very big why. Not the letter Y, but the word W-H-Y. What matters to you? What drives you? What are your goals? What is propelling you? What is motivating you? They're all words that are describing the thing that's going to push you through whatever your fears, your excuses, or your concerns really are. So if you find yourself not taking the action that you know we're telling you that you need to, don't beat yourself up about it. Sit down, have a long walk through the woods, Cal Newport style, whatever you got to do, and ask yourself, what is my why? What motivates me? What drives me? And is it worth getting over the excuses that I have to stop me from taking action? Ooh, it's deep stuff. Well done. Well done. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. 
PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. What's better than low money down? No money down. Now through Rent to Retirement, you can buy a brand new construction turnkey rental property for no money down. Wait, hold on. This can't be right. I need to double check with Zach, Rental Retirement CEO. Oh, hey, Rob. Zach, how the heck are you selling turnkey rental properties for $0 down? <laughs> it's not that complicated, Rob. Rent to Retirement has new construction properties up to $20,000 below retail prices. We also have investor loans with rates as low as 3.99% and down payment options as low as 5% or sometimes even zero money down. You get all the cash flow, appreciation, and equity for as little as zero money down. That's an infinite return. Oh, wait, wait. Let me get on this before we tell it to the whole Bigger Pockets audience. Just head to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. That's REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with no money down today. Get your next new construction property at a steep discount or invest with no money down. Head to rentoretirement.com today. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I lock my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high tech sensors that detect break ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day. 24-7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, big thanks to our sponsors always. And now, I just want to jump on in the show. This is a fantastic show, so let's get right into it. Without further ado, Let's introduce you to Robert Jones. All right, welcome to the Bigger Pockets podcast, Robert. How you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing good. This is weird. I'm, I don't think I've ever done a podcast directly across from somebody. <laughs> Very strange. And I, then, I feel honored. Yeah, good. And David's over here. Uh, so for those who don't know, David is actually in what California. Robert, our guest today, and I are here in Maui. Sitting across the table from each other, spitting at each other while we're talking. So yeah, it looks like you guys are speed dating. It's kind of creepy. <laughs> <laughs> we pretty much are. It's a good fit, I can tell you. It is. It is. I like long walks on a beach and real estate. How about you? I like big bushy yeah. beards. <laughs> and I cannot lie. All right. <laughs> I like big beards. All right. There, there you go. All right. So Robert and I know each other because uh, I am uh, good friends with uh, his sister and brother-in-law. In fact, they're like two of my favorite people in the entire world. Total di digital minimalists, which is funny because we had Cal Newport on. Like they're like 
perfect digital minimalists. And uh, I look up to them a lot. But anyway, for years, Catherine, uh, your sister, has been like, you need to talk to Robert. You need to get to know him. You need, like, you guys are the same person. Yeah. And so we pretty much are the same person, just I have a longer beard. But you yeah. have a much more impressive beard. Thank you. I don't know if it's impressive or dirty, but one <laughs> of the two. All right. So we're going to go into your story today because honestly, I don't know that much of it other than I know you do real estate and that you're kind of like me, apparently. Uh, and David's here on the camera being awesome. So with that, how'd you get into real estate? Yeah, so I uh, started in 2008, which uh, fortuitous timing. Yes, very good. You timing. know, good thing we didn't start in 05 <laughs> and was in the car business in my previous career in the service side of things. Reached a very noticeable glass ceiling after multiple promotions. Car and, business, like selling cars? Uh, no, in the service side. So if your car was broken, you came in, yes. talked to me uh, with the intent of managing and owning a dealership at some point. Okay. Oh, that's um, right. That's where you met your wife. Yep, met that's my right. wife at the dealership. Her came with a broken car and... Uh, the rest is history, as I say. There you go. Um, <laughs> I can't fix your car, but I can fix your heart. <laughs> yeah, pretty, something like that. Um, so, yeah, hit, hit a real noticeable ceiling. And growing up, I was always buying and selling stuff. Started with bicycles, then trailers, then dirt bikes, then cars, then trucks. And my dad pretty much told me, hey, look at something with a larger profit margin. It makes sense. You're great at selling things. You're great at making deals. You should get into real estate. And really, just to shut them up. I went and had lunch uh, with a real estate legend, uh, Larry Kendall, the founder of the group Real Estate. Um, he's known nationally for real estate sales training and all that. Uh, and like I said, just to get my dad to shut up. And if you spend any time with that individual, by the end of lunch, I figured, hey, I should sell real estate for a living. Okay. So you became an agent first. Correct. Okay. Yeah. I knew nothing about investing really at all. I didn't even know that it was a path that I could take. Uh, so decided to go into sales first. And then quickly after that, got introduced and eyes opened a little bit. And That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. So unless David, by the way, since David's awkwardly on the camera today or on the, on the computer screen today, if you have anything you want to say, David, just yell at me or jump in. But uh, otherwise, I'll just keep asking some questions. Uh, so sure. walk us through that journey from I'm now a real estate agent uh, to now I bought a property, your first deal. Yeah. So, well, very first house bought when we were real young. Parents said, hey, you know, smart people will buy a house. So I bought my first house when I was 20 before I got in real estate. Um, that was the days if literally you had a pulse, you can get a loan. Sure. Um, looking back at the deal, it was pretty pretty <laughs> illegal by today's standards. Um, so owned one house when I got into real estate. Okay. Three to six months into the business, started doing an investment tour with one of our partners named Kevin. He ran a tour just teaching other agents about investing. And that's when things really, you know, light bulb came on, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and thought, hey, I can buy houses, someone else will pay for them. Okay. And I, it didn't click. You know, you can jokingly call me a slow learner, but I asked the guy multiple times, wait, let me get this right. I can buy this house, someone else will pay for it, and I get to keep the house. <laughs> and he's like, yep. And I was like, okay. Rephrase the question a different way. I was like, let me try this again. I can buy a house without too much money down. Someone else will pay for it, and I get to keep the house. <laughs> and the third time I rephrased the question, he's like, okay, listen, dummy. This is the way it works. And that's all I needed to know. Um, you know, I'm not a, uh, I wouldn't say that I'm a hard details guy, but the core concept at that point, I went home, told Sarah, hey, we need to go out and buy as many houses as we can. That's awesome. Where was this all at? So I'm in Fort Collins, Colorado. So we're about an hour north of Denver. Nice. Um, so yeah. those familiar with the market know that yeah. our price point's a little different than, uh, yeah. well, it's not David Green, you know, scale of one to 10, <laughs> like a David yeah. Green's a 10. Yeah. Detroit's like a one. We're probably like a hard six, hard seven. Yeah. Well, yeah what is that? Uh, that's even cooler that we started off talking about speed dating. 
<laughs> yeah. And now, and now we're rating you by numbers. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Our average single family price point is about four twenty five right now. Wow. Which yeah. is crazy for like the Midwest. Not that Colorado is the Midwest, but it kind of like it's yeah, when I think originally before I knew Denver prices, I thought like Denver and Oklahoma City and Kansas City, they're all the same. Right. Like, but Denver is so much different, which, again, just is more evidence why it's so important to know your market and not just rely on like just general things. But why is that Denver and the surrounding that metro area? Why is that so crazy? Any idea? You know, it's know. uh Something we talked about a bit, the, the quality of life and the desirability of living there. The listeners familiar, if you're not, FHFA.gov is a website where you can look at, since 1991, they track prices, uh, quarterly appreciation, annual appreciation, five-year appreciation, and Northern Colorado is an unstoppable machine. Uh, we've seen 363% appreciation since 1991, which second to DC puts us at the strongest market in the entire country. Wow. So it's, I think it's a combination of quality of life desirability. Now we don't see the ebbs and flows that some other markets see. So we don't see the meteoric rises in a single year, but for sustained performance, I feel like we're living in the Holy grail for real estate. Yeah. All right. So walk us through that very first investment property then. What, what was it? <laughs> yeah. So we, uh, we come from uh, pretty modest means as uh, a lot of your listeners and uh, people you've interviewed. Uh, my wife looked back at our checking account recently. And when we started in real estate in 2008, uh, we had $900 in our checking account. And as a first year realtor uh, coming into 2009, we couldn't use my income. So my wife at the time was working at the bank making, I think it was like 23,000 bucks a year, something like that. Balling. So, oh no, we were just out of control. <laughs> it was, uh, <laughs> you know, we'd hit up the chilies like once a quarter, Ooh. share a meal, have water. Um, <laughs> so we talked to, you know, we talked about people that just keep hearing no, we don't like the answer. No. So we talked to one letter, no. Talked to another letter, no. Talked to another letter, no. And we found someone that, yeah, they'd get the loan done under Sarah's income alone, uh, which at that point uh, in Fort Collins, looking for a house under $150,000, it was quite challenging. Um, so we found at the time the most affordable single family home in the city. It was listed at $149,900. Wow. And the, the funny thing on that pre-qualification, the lender called me like three weeks in and said, hey, you need to pay off Sarah's credit card. You know, she doesn't qualify the ratios. I'm like, okay. And I said, how much is it? 186 bucks. I was like, okay, cool. The minimum payment's 186. And he said, no, that's the balance. The minimum payment's $7 a month. <laughs> and we were that close <laughs> that on our close qualifying ratios. That's funny. Uh, so we bought the house, moved into it. Okay. Um, so for us, uh, I you don't know what you don't know, right? So I didn't know anything about hard money, anything about portfolio loans or these yeah. more creative ways to get in real estate. I just knew that if I moved into the house, I could do an owner-occupied loan. I didn't need a big down payment and we could remodel while we're living there. So we did an FHA loan, which at the time it was 3% down, not three and a half. Yep. I am a licensed realtor. So we were able to use my 3% commission. So we essentially got oh, in the house for free. That's awesome. Uh, so we moved into the house and rented out my last house. That house cash flowed an entire $30 per month, wow. um, which I was stoked. Yeah. In my mind, I thought someone else, hey, they're buying me a house. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, then while living in the new house, we uh, did a full floor-to-ceiling remodel while living there in 900 square feet, including replacing the plumbing in the house. Ooh. So we had no plumbing for about two solid weeks, showered at the gym, peed in a bucket, and uh, <laughs> you know, those character building yes. uh, attributes. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm sure your wife loved um, that time. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Okay. You know. 
All right, so you did what a lot of people do, and and I, I want to talk on this for a second because I think it's one of the best ways. Two two things you did, two of the best strategies for getting started with real estate. Number one, the obviously the FHA moving, you know, moving to a house, buy a house, three three and a half percent down. Especially, and that alone doesn't mean it's going to be a good deal, right? But what you did, right. you bought a fixer upper of something that needed to be a, a total remodel, and you did the work yourself. I did. Okay, so you, like you you use sweat equity, you got in there, but then the second thing you did, which was cool, is that you turned that first property into a rental. And that's probably the number one way that I hear people get into real estate is, yeah, I just turned my house into a rental property. So do you advise that for other people today when you're talking to people, your clients or or whoever that, yeah, turn your old property into rental? I mean, because you as an agent have kind of like, you'd rather have them sell right. because you are an agent, you get money. No, absolutely. It is a, so investment real estate is a big part of my business Yeah. Uh, for I mean, building millionaires, building investors. So it is, if the property makes sense, which most of them do, especially younger clients of mine, they're living in houses that would make good sense as a rental. Um, so that is my absolute first and foremost advice, Yeah, you know, and even looking at tax strategies, you still have three years to make a decision yep. moving out of your primary yep. um, with capital gains rules. So yeah, I advise people to keep their existing home if they have the ability to. Yeah. And in the laws related to qualification and income, even for new landlords, that's eased up over the last couple of years. So it makes that transition easier as far as qualifying for both mortgages. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so there's more leniency there now, too, um, compared to a few years ago. And if people are wondering what that means about the capital gains thing, I'll explain that real quick. And you yeah. correct me if I'm wrong here. Basically, the government says, hey, if you live in a property two of the last five years, you don't have to pay capital gains when you sell. And again, we're not CPAs, but the gist is you're not paying cap gains. If you live in the house two of the last five years, it doesn't Correct. mean the immediate two previous years. It just means two of the last five. Correct. So I actually did the same thing recently. I, I lived in a house for several years, sold it. I made like, I think it was $85,000 in profit. Well, I shouldn't say I sold it, but there was two years in between when I, when I stopped living there and when I sold it and made the $85,000, I still got the claim that two year thing. Cause I lived in there two of the last five. It just wasn't the immediate recent two. Correct. So yeah, so that's why you have a couple of years at a size. So, and, and a lot of people ask me that question, should I rent my house or should I sell it? And it's, it's a hard, I mean, I, I like to say, yeah, you should just rent it out because it gets you into real estate. But if you're going to rent it out and lose a hundred grand in taxes, because you know, maybe then you should have sold it and dumped it <laughs> right. somewhere else. Right? So yeah. what do you usually tell people when they say, should I rent it or sell? Yeah. 95% of the answer is keep it as a rental. Yep. You know, if they have the fortitude and the personality type that it's going to work well, um, and again, it's a house that makes sense, which in our market, most houses will rent for what your mortgage is, especially if you got the mortgage a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if it's running skinny, if you only own one, two, three properties, you can take on a little bit tighter deals as opposed to, say, owning 10, 20, 30. Um, so I think you could be a little more risk tolerant uh, in the beginning um, on deals that might be a little tighter. Makes sense. David, you got anything you want to jump in with? I have a couple of questions I can ask if that's all right. Sure. Sure. All right. So one of the things you said is that you guys wanted to buy as many houses as you could once you realized what was kind of being described as house hacking in a way. We can yes. we can get a low down payment and we can rent out part of the house. Um, you also, I want to make sure I cover the strategy you talked about being an agent and using your commission for a down payment because not many people talk about that, but that's an incredibly good strategy specifically for agents. But I wanted to ask, how are you avoiding over leveraging or the people who want to ask the question of, well, if you just buy a house every single year for the rest of your life, what if you get too many of them? What are you going to do if the market turns? Stuff like that. Sure. Um, so I can say over the years, our risk tolerance personally, and when I say our or we, it's my wife, Sarah and I, okay. um, who own all the properties. Um, we don't have partners uh, outside of our marriage. 
the <laughs> our risk tolerance. Yeah, well played. Um, so, in real estate or otherwise, yes. um, our risk tolerance has changed significantly. Um, so, when we started, like I said, we had nine hundred bucks in our checking account. Uh, I did research what the uh, implications were for foreclosure or bankruptcy, yep. and whether you foreclose on one house or five houses. It's the same punishment. Yeah. So in the very beginning, we took on a pretty significant amount of risk and we were quite leveraged. I'd say the first five properties, we were 95% to 100% encumbered. Um, so we took on a pretty significant amount of risk in the beginning. As we move forward, uh, as Brandon mentioned, through sweat equity, uh, time in the market, appreciation, and just improving the properties, yep. our equity position started growing pretty significantly. And once we started having more of a net worth and our income, you know, all of it started increasing. Mm -hmm. My risk tolerance has changed by doing those things. Uh, but again, buying on the front end, making your deal when you buy it, you know, we were, we weren't doing anything really creative because I didn't know what I didn't know at that time. Sure. Um, so you know, we were buying properties out of the MLS, just stuff where other people didn't see value. Um, but we'd try by the day we closed, we wanted to have equity in it and then yeah. build equity uh, pre pretty quickly upon renovations and just cleaning the place up. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So can you walk us through like the rest? I mean, not the rest of your journey, maybe, but the next few years, I mean, you, sure. you, you said you were buying properties. So like, what did that look like? What kind of properties were you buying? Were they all in Colorado? How are you financing them? How are you finding them? Just kind of walk us yeah. through the next few years. Yeah. So we bought the first one. It was working. You know, like I said, we were stoked about 30 bucks a month cash flow. We're like, yeah. Hey, this is sweet. <laughs> We've got some extra money now. And, uh, but again, I didn't know about bigger pockets. I didn't know about these resources. So yeah. my perceptual map of what's possible in real estate was still pretty limited. Sure. Um, so we became very well versed, well versed on conventional loans and what was available in that marketplace. Uh, so initially we decided, hey, we can move once every year, which I'm not giving advice related yeah. <laughs> to owner occupied lending laws and all that. Yeah. Uh, you know, seek your own advice on that. But we were informed that if we lived in a property for a full year, yep. that was a safe ground. We intended and we did. We absolutely lived in the properties. We were doing everything by the books. Sure. So our goal initially was once a year, 12 months in a day, we'd go look for the next house. We'd move into it. So 2009, we bought our first rental property number two. A year later, we started looking. And we'll dig into this one a little bit more later, but we did have a, a unique spot where we did an owner finance deal. Uh, and that was my first experience there. Okay. So two months later, we moved into that one. We bought a triplex and we were in there for just a couple months remodeling it. And I, again, I didn't know the rules. We didn't know what we didn't know. And then the light bulb, someone told me, hey, man, you don't have to stay here. This is not a conventional loan. So literally like two, three months later, we found another good deal. We're like, hey, we, we, That's cool. there was no rules telling us we had to stay for an owner occupied loan. Um, so we bought another single family home, lived there literally 12 months in a day, started looking for another one, went out and bought another house. Then we tried to owner occupy a triplex for our fifth property. And that's in 2011 when the guideline changes uh, shifted and they added pending underwriter discretion. Interesting. What's that? To all, all, the, all the conventional guidelines. They just added that cloud. So even if you fit in the box, yeah. it said pending underwriter discretion. <laughs> so if it felt weird to them. Yep. So we got declined for the first time after a while because we were fit in the box. We had, like I said, we had a very skilled lender that knew how to navigate through this and we got declined, but it was a killer deal. We're under contract on. We didn't want to lose the deal and we needed to come up then shift it to an investor loan. So we needed 90,000 bucks in three days because the seller had a higher offer. He wanted to get out of the deal. So he wasn't adjusting dates for us or doing us any favors. Um, so that was our, 
first, I'd say sat, we had done a hard money deal, but our real introduction of considering more creative solutions and creative financing, where we got what I feel is kind of our first hard money private loan. And I'll throw some big words here. We cross collateralized against a prior one in the portfolio because you can't use on investment property. You can't do a first and a second, but you can at the same time concurrently do a second against a prior property and then show that you have funds down for the current purchase and the current acquisition. Okay. Walk, walk us through yeah. that again. Cause that's really, really good stuff and it's really deep. And so I want to make sure people understand the strategy. So yeah. So the, that, we're, we're a few years in there. So we had other properties through our own efforts and yep. through market appreciation that started having some equity. Yep. So we needed to come up with 90 grand and this wasn't with conventional means. I reached out to, uh, and this, let me step back here. The hard money conversation I know is a, oh, you know, yeah. it, it's scary, right? Yeah. People don't want to go ask. They don't want to ask their friends for money. They don't want to ask their family for money. Yeah. Um, but this was our first opportunity to dig into that. Yep. And the phone calls were scary. Initially, I'd say the first three were, and then they felt really good because the people I started calling anybody, I thought my entire database, again, I didn't know there was guys online that did this for a business or there's places to find money. So I just called everybody I knew that I thought had money. And what I experienced through that is the people that I thought had money that didn't have the money felt really good. They were, they felt proud that I thought they had the money. Oh, Robert (laughs) thinks I'm a big guy. Right. Yeah. And then some guys did have the money. Some weren't interested, but again, grateful for the call. Yep. Really, really gracious about it. Um, and within a day and a half, I had three people that were willing to lend me 90,000 bucks Wow! in second position against prior properties in our portfolio. So we told them it would be a formal note. It'd be a recorded note against that property. And it wouldn't exceed whatever their threshold was for comfort uh, of total leverage against the property. Yeah. So the investor we ended up working with, his threshold was 80% combined Yep. Leverage. Okay. So we didn't have enough equity in one property. So we put it against two properties. Nice. On that one. We split up, you know, 40 grand here, 40 grand there, recorded the notes, or 45. Suddenly we had our 90 grand. We bought that triplex. And what another eye opener for us, we were planning on moving into it and we started packing boxes. And then I had another one. You know, I'm a slow learner. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, we keep having these aha moments. Well, that, well crap, we, we don't need to move into this. Yeah. It's not an owner-occupied loan. Yep. So literally, we were, pl- we were packing boxes to move into the house and realized we, we don't need to move into the triplex. And something else. This is up. a legitimate investment loan. So two weeks later, we found a four-bedroom single-family house, <laughs> and that one made more sense to the underwriter because it's a single-family home. It had a bigger bedroom count. It had a larger yard for our dog. We could explain it in a letter to the underwriter. So I think two months later, we went and bought another single-family house. And then we bought another fourplex using the, you know, chasing our tail again with a private second against prior real estate. Let's see. Yeah, we bought another fourplex. And then we bought a few more after that. As we were entering the journey now where we did a couple more owner occupieds as our income increased, we started moving into a little bit nicer homes. So those ones were easy to explain. Yep. And our tool belt, we had more tools for creative financing solutions where we started buying more intentional investment properties. Even through all that, we still did nine moves in eight years, which uh, <laughs> it was moving a lot, yep. uh, which I enjoyed. It, it wasn't that people think, oh, God, that's terrible. It yeah. was fun. Yeah. And um, it gets you to where you're at, then why not do it? it exactly. Yeah. You know, it's uh, my wife and I always joke around. People meet us and they're, oh, my God, your wife is a saint <laughs> for her to put off with all that garbage. 
it's like, well, you know, our lifestyle doesn't suck now. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. you know, where, things where, have changed. Where, and I'll let, I'll let David, you jump in here a second too, but I'm going, where did the boat, can you tell, where did living on the boat for three months come in into the story? I'm just curious of like yeah. where that was at and you can explain what that was. Sure. Yeah. So almost five years into my sales business, things were getting a little intense uh, as far as hours worked, uh, stress level, buying the rentals and all that. Uh, and we had set, uh, my wife and I like to travel uh, a lot. We want to travel a whole lot more than we do. And we started looking at properties to buy out of the country. Uh, we looked at Mexico and all their laws down there. We considered Belize, Nicaragua, uh, Dominican Republic. And we started looking at, you know, as a foreigner, buying property down there and started digging into that. And almost every resource we dug into, I mean, there's even one book my brother-in-law read that said, if you're not okay losing 100% of your money, close the book and don't even finish reading it. <laughs> and that, from a risk tolerance standpoint, I'm like, yeah. oh crap, I'm, yeah. I'm not okay with that. Uh, so the risk tolerance standpoint was part of it. And I thought, well, man, if we buy a property out of the country, we're gonna get really sick of going there pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, my wife and I, we like moving around quite a bit and we like exploring different areas and we didn't want to have just one place. And then online, I found some family that was living on a boat, you know, when YouTube was just starting to gain traction. I thought, wow, man, that's pretty cool. So we set a goal like, hey, it'd be pretty awesome to live on a boat someday. And before we really cemented that goal, we thought we should take it for a test drive. So in 2012, like I said, five years into the business, we were at, I think, five or six properties at that point. We decided to take a little sabbatical, uh, which started out, hey, we're going to take a week off, which that's going to be vacation. It won't feel like life. It won't be yeah. real. Yeah, let's do two weeks. And then we talked to the guy we were talking to. Let's how about a month? Uh, we ended up leaving for three months. And we flew into Trinidad, just off Venezuela, and sailed all the way through the uh, Caribbean, BVIs, USVIs, uh, Spanish, Calibra, all that, and ended in San Juan. And it doesn't suck. Uh, (laughs) You know, as far as a a test drive for our travel goal uh, with our family, because we have children now, uh, it cemented in our minds that this is our goal that we want to achieve. So how did you do that? How do you take three months off? Because you, you told me earlier, like, you just turned your cell phone off. Like, just like, <laughs> yeah. how do you do that and own rental property and own a real estate business? And like, because there are a lot of people listening right now going, oh, man, I would love to live in a boat. Or I would love to yeah. go travel Europe for a few months. Or I would love to just go and sit on the beach for a few months. Like, whatever. Sure. Like, people want that sabbatical, that break. Yeah. But they're, they could not even imagine, like, what do they do when the tenant calls and has a broken pipe? Like, what do sure. you do? So how do you survive that? Yeah. So three months, it, it, it was short enough we could still ask for favors. Yeah. And it was prior to where we had a lot of professional help. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, on the real estate side of things with my business, that that was challenging. Yeah. We uh, Not challenging to manage, but challenging from a momentum perspective. Sure. You know, David, you're an agent. You know, if, if you're not beating the street and hustling and keeping up those contacts, yeah. the momentum that... It was an expensive trip from that capacity. Sure. Um, for the rentals, uh, my mother, Stacy, was a saint. Um, she was our go-to. That's cool. Our voicemails, both mine and Sarah, said, don't even leave a message. We're not going to call you back. <laughs> you know, now we did communicate via email. Yep. But, uh, you know, our financial principles as far as uh, frugality and just making sure things are handled appropriately, I can credit a lot of that to my parents. And my mom helped us when we were gone for that first trip. Now, if you ask her, she will say she would never, ever do it again. (laughs) It was not her favorite three months of the year. Uh, But again, we only owned uh, six properties at that point, five or six properties amounting to probably 10 doors. Yeah. You know, so it was before it got, you know, a little more time intensive at least. Sure. But it, it, 
it happened. It was easy. Any big problems? We got an email. And any emergency, whether you're handling it or someone else, if there's a fire or flood, it has to be handled. Yep. You, you know, so whether I take the call or mom takes the call or a property manager takes the call, it has to be handled. You know, other issues that came up, anybody can call a plumber. Anybody can call a handyman. Now, did we pay a few more bucks for some of those things? Maybe. And I didn't fix them personally. But the reward of the trip far outweighed any of those challenges. That's so cool. Okay, so in order to be doing all this traveling, which is the goal that we all have, is we want real estate to fund our life, not our life to be all about real estate. You have to put systems into place. And a lot of people struggle with this because they're playing it at kind of a small scale. But once you get into some bigger numbers, more properties, more projects, systems become vitally important. Can you share some of the steps you took to systemize things so that you could be traveling and it didn't all fall apart? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and I feel we're definitely still on this journey. You know, it's something we're still right. getting more skilled at. Um, but we do have a professional property manager now okay. that manages most of our units. And even through that transition, training the manager on what our expectations are, what our budgetary limits are for certain problems that arise, where I don't want the phone call. Mm -hmm. You know, so we are still in process of working on that, uh, but helping facilitate that where, hey, if it's A, B or C, handle it this way. Shoot me an email just so I see it. Yeah. But you don't need to call me. We can authorize these events. Um, so on the management side, that is helps significantly uh, on the real estate side of things. It is it's a function of two things. One places where we do have communication. I don't mind taking the random phone call. Yeah. You know, being in this business, if it allows us to travel more, I manage a lot of my business remotely if we are traveling for a week, 10 days. If it's something that needs boots on the ground, we're in a, uh, at the group, our company in Fort Collins, the collaboration between partners is almost unheard of in a real estate world. Yeah. Um, it's unique that we're all broker owners. So having the sense of camaraderie and people willing to help out. You know, I've got partners that'll just step in, they'll bust out a showing for me, you know, and be the boots on the ground. If an offer needs to be written, I'm unavailable, they'll write the offer for me. But again, remotely, if we have internet and cell phone, I manage a lot of that, which I know that stresses some people out. They want to be on vacation, yeah. but if it gives us the ability to do more and travel more, um, that works for the shorter vacations. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an interesting point. Like, I mean... Obviously, you don't want to take a vacation and have to work the whole time, right? That's right. nobody's goal. But then some people just won't take a vacation because they can't dedicate 100% of their time to vacationing. Right. I mean, I don't think I've taken a vacation in four years that I didn't do a Bigger Pockets webinar during the middle of it. Right. Every single week. Because it's such a valuable thing, both in terms of like helping people. It's something I like doing and it helps Bigger Pockets grow as well. And so like I do it every week, no matter where in the world I am. Yeah. And it's okay. I mean, if I, if I said, no, I'm not going to do a vacation unless I could do a hundred percent focused. Well, then I'm just not doing a vacation. Right. I was like, and I am working more and more towards the trying to unplug completely like you did on the, on the boat trip, you know, occasionally. And that's why, you know, David Green here is going to take over doing some webinars. Uh, you know, uh, Jake, uh, the new guy at Bigger Pockets is going to be doing some webinars. So like, you know, we're, we're working there, but anyway, I just encourage people who are listening to the show right now, you know, don't get stuck in that. Like I can't take a trip because you know, I'd have to well, maybe do a little bit of work. The reason that I can take over webinars and Jake can take over webinars is because you systemize what you do. You broke it into chunks. You said, here's how it works. Here's a formula. Now we can practice within that formula until we're good. And then you're like, okay, you've got it down. You can go do your thing. So systems create freedom, yeah, right? Cause yeah. you, the, you hear discipline creates freedom where we've all heard Jocko say that, well, discipline creates systems and systems create freedom. And now you're in the position where you can travel the world and enjoy real estate 
state or you can create this thing that now you bring opportunity for me to get in because you're leveraging me and it's a good chance for me. And so that's just why I'm a big fan of systems in general is they open up doors for many people where only one person stood at one point. Yeah. yeah. And the just the efficiency of having a team. I, I don't have a team in the conventional sense of these large realtor teams where, you know, showing assistance, buying assistance, all that. I don't have that. But I do have a full time assistant with our company. I've got an entire escrow department, a marketing team and all these other functions. I mean, the week we're recording, I have two closings on Friday where we're going to make twenty one thousand bucks while sitting in Hawaii. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, again, That's it doesn't suck. Bad. It's yeah. great. You know, <laughs> so having my team members and the way they're trained. We can facilitate this and it's, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. I couldn't imagine a better career. I mean, it's, we yeah. love it. Well, on that note, let's, let me ask that question then. I mean, I, I'm assuming I know the answer, but we'll go a little deeper. Do you think new investors who are getting started, they have a job, should they become a real estate agent? And I know the answer is probably, yeah, they should consider it. But then I'll even go deeper. What kind of person should consider doing it and who should not consider becoming an agent? Sure. So if it's becoming a realtor solely to save the 3%, yeah. my answer is a hard no. Okay. You know, if you're not full time and in it, you're going to lose more than 3% on something you missed. Yeah. You know, you, you just don't have the depth of knowledge and your finger on the pulse of the market. And not even argue the agents are selling five, six homes a year. You're not doing enough business to keep your pulse, your finger on the pulse of the market. Yeah. If they want a career change and they want to do it as a career or a full time investor where they're really actively analyzing those markets on a regular basis, I think it's a very rewarding career and I think it's fantastic. But if it's, oh, I'm going to get my license on top of my nine to five just because I don't want to pay that guy 3%, I guarantee you'll lose more money. Uh. And for that sake, those investors looking for a realtor, you know, it shouldn't be the guy that has a good smile and you like. Yeah. Mm. It should be someone that's eat, sleeping and breathing what you do. You know, the David Greens of the world that are investors and know investments and do a really high volume of business in that market. To have your finger on the pulse, because a lot of these markets, especially right now, we're on a cusp of, we'll say some changes at least. Yeah, It's important to have the right guy in your corner or gal, you know, but someone that gets it. So I'm wondering, like, David, I'm going to turn to you and ask you kind of the same question. Like, do you, anything you want to add to that? Anything you feel differently uh, or the same? Like, who should become an agent? Who shouldn't of our listeners? That's a really good question. You should become an agent if you want to learn the business of selling real estate and earn money from selling real estate. If all you want to be is an investor and passive income is all you care about, getting your license will not help you. It might even hurt you in some ways because now you have to disclose to people that you're buying the house from extra things because they may be taking your advice on the fact you're a licensed professional saying, well, I'll buy your house for 100K. If it's worth 300K, you don't want to get sued because they come back and said, well, when he said he'd buy it for 100, I assume that's what it was worth because he's an agent and he's representing me. Um, But if you love real estate, you might like selling it more than your current job. And if you ask me, there is a huge, huge, huge gap in the number of agents that know what the hell they're doing. That's, I mean, I, I don't know a nicer way to say it. I became an agent because I was so frustrated with knowing more That's about a real nice estate. nice way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> we see this all the time, you know, like they're just not good at their job and they don't care to be good at their job. And you hit it on the head when you said they're just a friendly guy with a nice smile and a nice cologne or, you know, a girl with a pretty headshot. Doesn't mean they understand money or finances or what goes into a deal or how to protect your wealth or how to represent your interests. I routinely destroy agents on the other side of negotiating because they don't even know what's in the contract. Not even I'm at like half asleep and I'm beating them just because I know a few things that they never bothered to learn because instead they're out there working on their Facebook and making smiley videos. Right. So if you love real estate, there's a need for agents who love real estate. That's kind of why I'm growing my team. 
is I have all these people that come to me and they say, Hey David, I, I love real estate. I want to sell houses and I want to learn it. And I'm like, great. We have clients who need someone who understands how to save them money. That's what our job is. We're like a lawyer in court trying to get them out of trouble or trying to help their case or get them money, not just a smiley person. So that is the person who should become an agent. You love real estate. You're passionate about it. You want to take what you learn for your own self and you want to apply it to your clients. And if you do that, man, like the top is really nice. 80% of the business goes from the top 20% of the agents and you can make really good money. If it's just a thing you're ho-hum about, stay far away from it because 80% of the agents have to split 20% of the business. That bottom 80%, they don't do hardly anything and it's really hard. So thank you, Brandon, for asking that because I think a lot of people think, well, I want to get my license to save money on commissions when I have to sell a house. Yeah. Well, you're assuming that you know how to sell a house, that you'll actually <laughs> do it better than someone who's good at it and that yeah. you're not taking effect all the fees you're going to be paying to hold that license for the entire time. And, and you got to pay your broker and all the other stuff. So yeah, but that David, is a really good point. A real estate agent, all they do is push a button and just put on the MLS. That's all you have to do as an agent. So oh, yeah, and open a couple doors do and write up a contract. That's all yeah, there whatever, is. It's, easy. it's yeah. the Office Depot easy button. You just click yeah, it. Yeah, you just click the one button. It's just like easy. Shipping Joanna Gaines rocks, so I want to sell real <laughs> Say, exactly. You know? Yeah. And you know, you hit the nail on the head. The, you know, the granite and stainless makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Yeah. <laughs> While there is a desire for that from some clients that they want someone just to hold their hands, the finding someone that has a passion to drill down and have an education for what we're doing. Uh, like I said, that is 20% or less yeah. of the market. I, I mean, I know I just, I just had a conversation with a client who didn't want to pay a million dollars for a house that was listed at a million because she felt like it didn't have the finishes that a million dollar house should have. And when I broke it down by asking questions, it turned out it didn't have granite countertops. It didn't have stainless steel appliances, what you just said, right? <laughs> and the houses that did were 1.2, 1.2 million. And I was able to explain, <laughs> yeah, we're talking about $5,000 for counters and maybe another six or seven for cabinets and appliances. This is $12,000. You'd rather go spend 200 grand yep. and pay it back over the next 30 years with interest. And her eyes just opened up like, oh my God, I never thought of it that way. Hey, Man. calling like three people and scheduling one contractor, that's hard. I mean, that is that's hard. at yeah. least three or four phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, that type of thing is where people just don't understand the value that an agent can bring if they're good. But there's so many bad agents out there. Yeah. We've, we've created this problem for ourselves. Yeah, sure. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24-7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Want to dive deep into commercial real estate, entrepreneurship, leadership, and the economy? Tune into the Walker webcast hosted by the CEO of Walker & Dunlop, one of the largest commercial real estate finance and advisory services firms in the nation. 
As an unparalleled leader in commercial real estate, CEO Willie Walker frequently appears as an expert on major platforms like CNBC and the New York Times. He's even been on the Bigger Pockets podcast network too. On the Walker webcast, you'll hear from guests like A-Rod, renowned economist Dr. Peter Linneman, and experts from Walker & Dunlop's capital markets, research, and investment sales groups. So fire up the Walker webcast on your favorite podcast app or join live on Wednesdays to see Willie interact with his guests. Plus, you can always catch the replay on demand afterward. Stay ahead of the curve with insights for life from the Walker webcast. Learn more and subscribe to the Walker webcast at walkerdunlop.com slash pockets. And be sure to follow Walker and Dunlop on all your favorite social media channels too. That's walkerdunlop.com slash pockets. Listen up, business owners, because I've got some quick little math for you. Fewer costs equal more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Oh, also, NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You can improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. So don't let rising costs sink your business growth. And by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash biggerpockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. Take a second and imagine this. Immediate cash flow, above average rent, built-in equity, and a foolproof exit plan. No, it's not 2012 again. This is just what it's like to invest with Integra Development Group. They've simplified the real estate investing process so everyone can invest. With their new construction single-family rent-to-own homes, you'll get aggressively priced brand-new properties that have tenants in place now in one of the fastest-growing states in America, Florida. Here's how IDG's rent-to-own strategy works. You get exclusive access to inventory with aggressive pricing thanks to IDG's builder-partner relationships. Then, invest and collect immediate cash flow with tenants already in place at or very close to closing. With the demand for new builds, your tenants pay above-market rent so you rake in more cash flow. And you'll get built-in equity and appreciation with an already agreed-to purchase price at year three, helping the tenants become homeowners while you build wealth. That's investing simplified. So secure your next investment property today with Integra Development Group at IntegraDG.com. That's IntegraDG.com to start investing today. So... Robert, walk us through where are you at today then? What's your portfolio look like and size-wise? Um, and you can go into much as or little as you want about like sure. what kind of cash flow do you see today? Uh, where do you see yourself headed in, in terms of your portfolio? Yeah, so we, at the immediate moment, we've got 16 properties, okay. uh, 26 doors, okay. which in our market, our price point, I yeah. mean, we're sitting, uh, we're just shy of $8 million market value. Wow. And about four million, uh, four and a half million in equity now, uh, which I, uh, you know, you guys talked a few months ago about, uh, I definitely will. Yeah, we got lucky in the yeah. timing of the market. Yeah. You know, that didn't hurt. We're not all real estate gods by any means. You yeah. know, the market helped. Yes. And granted, you know, a lot of sweat equity and all that stuff. Our cash flow, we... I still question whether we made the right decision. We refied about seven of them onto 15-year notes okay. um, in efforts to try to achieve some of these goals to uh, 
retire or long sabbatical quite young. Yep. Um, so our cash flow, we're about just over $10,000 a month right now, net. Awesome. Uh, depending on our maintenance month, sure. uh, about yeah. 10,000 a month, uh, which that we don't use any of the real estate money personally at all. Um, it, it's a completely separate machine. Yep. What do you do with it? Just recycle it into more properties? Yeah. It, uh, it, well, you know, depending, I jokingly say, depending on my financial midlife crisis, you know, we <laughs> go from debt pay down to yes. we're done buying properties and then we go buy a few more yeah. and then we're done buying properties. And then yeah. in the last five months, we bought three more. So uh, <laughs> here we are. We and now we're thing. at 26, uh, 26 doors, which, uh, like I said, most of that's professionally managed. Yeah. Um, so it's running pretty smooth and it's good. Well, let me ask you this then. I mean, that's one thing cool about an expensive market is that you were able to, I mean, you not expensive, again, not New York, San Francisco necessarily, but like the higher tier, Yeah. you were at this level and then it like, as the market goes up, I mean, okay, here's a way of explaining it. If you would have bought only $30,000 properties right. and the market went up 50%, you've just gained $15,000 on each of those properties, yeah. but you have a $200,000 property and it goes up 50%. You've now gained a hundred thousand yeah. dollars in equity. Now the same thing works the opposite way. If the market drops, you can be, you know, severely under. So I want to talk a little bit about the expensive market thing. Yeah. How, like how do you invest in an expensive market? Are you still finding deals today? Um, and what do you got to be careful of when you're in that market? Sure. Yeah. The, uh, the numbers are definitely skinnier and significantly compared to some of the guys I hear in your podcast, you know, Oh yeah, I paid 80 grand for a place yeah. and it earns for 1200 a month. And yeah. I think, Holy crap. I mean, yeah. you know, they're talking a 1.5% yeah. lever on rents, which is, or one and a half times, which yeah. You don't see. You don't see in Colorado. Um, but like you said, you know, the leverage, and I never sell an appreciation. We want the numbers to make sense without appreciation in the spreadsheet. And that's what I tell my clients. Yeah. If it doesn't make sense without this icing on the cake, we probably shouldn't buy it. But having that icing on the cake, the icing's really thick. I mean, it's, <laughs> we, we bought a lot of properties, you know, when Sarah and I were considering in our, uh, our more risk tolerant days, I told her, I said, I just want more expensive real estate. Yeah. It did to a degree when I felt like I saw the writing on the wall, you know, we didn't have a crystal ball, but I felt like the market was going up and it was going to be marching up for a while. Mm -hmm. That was my strong belief. I just started buying more expensive properties just so we had a more expensive real estate appreciating. Yeah. You know, so there's a few plays we made on 1031 exchanges uh, where a tax deferred exchange into uh, another rental property where the cash flow didn't change much. Well, the cash flow didn't change at all, yeah. but we went from, for, for easy example's sake, we went from a $200,000 house that rented for $1,500 a month to a $400,000 house that rented for $3,000 a month. It was the same cash flow, but gross rents, I was increasing our portfolio and increasing our gross rents. Yep. Because uh, for us, it's a long-term hold for sure. That's We're never going to sell any of these without replacing them in some form ever is sure. our goal right now. Um, so I figured if we could increase our gross rents, regardless of cash flow at the time, because we don't need the money, you know, we'll use my real estate business, uh, my agent business to pay our bills. Yep. So we don't need the money. So I wanted to increase dollars of real estate as well as our gross rents, which right now they're 39,000 ish, 39,000 and change a month, the gross rents, which once the property is free and clear. Yeah. That's awesome. I think we yeah. could probably figure it out. Yeah. And, and that, that, that's interesting too, too about these higher end properties is I don't know if you found this one, but I've definitely found it in here. There's some irony in here as well. 
the more expensive a property is, the easier that property typically is for me to manage. Like my yeah. most irritating tenants are the ones that are in my $30,000 houses. Yeah. My best tenants are the ones that are in my $1.7 million houses, like you sure. know, properties, like, you know, like, and like, like Ryan. And so <laughs> like, for whatever reason, I just get higher quality people who have less drama in their life. Now they maybe will demand a little bit more and they want a little bit nicer stuff and that's fine because then the property stays nice. So I would personally, this is again where I'm at in my, earlier on, I wanted cash flow above everything because I needed to get out of my job. That was number one. So I bought the worst properties, didn't matter what they were, as long as they cash flowed well. Today, I would rather get significantly less cash flow, but buy in a market where I can spend way more, like have a way more expensive property. Yeah. And have way more chance for appreciation. Again, I'm, we're not saying, I don't think any of us is saying, buy a bad deal, it loses money, right? Like that loses money every month. I don't want to lose money every month, no matter what. Sure. But I would almost like take a break, even property in Maui, over a property that made $500 a month in Grays Harbor, Washington, where I was at before. Because yeah. that one property, is, it's not going to be worth anything later on. But I would rather, if I could like truly like net, actually break even on a property here, where yeah. it means after maintenance, repairs, property management, all that. I at least know that the mortgage is getting paid down and the mortgage is a million dollar mortgage getting paid down significant chunks every single month and appreciation, even at 3% of a million dollar house or yeah. a half a million dollar house, whatever that's climbing quite a bit over time. I should always win. Yeah. Uh, and that's just definitely a shift that I've had in the last few years. Well, and, and that for us, uh, the value of gray matter, I call it, you know, even, you know, David, as good as systems as we all build, as the portfolios start to increase, um, and, and we're debating whether we're going to go to the next step and really exponentially grow here in the future, but there's only so much space between my ears, yeah. you know, for headaches. And like you said, just garbage, yeah. you know, so we've got tenants, uh, the whole spectrum in our market. We've got the most affordable rentals you can have, kind of our multifamily properties that rent for 900 to 1,000 a door up to single family that rents for 3,500 a month, which in our market, that's a very high rent. Yeah. And like you said, typically less headaches yep. and the applications on the 3,500 a month are just bonkers. Yeah. I mean, it's eight, 10, eight, 15 credit scores, a five yeah, pound yeah. dog, no kids, yep. you know? Uh, oh yeah. You know, $5,000 deposit for the damage. Yeah, no, no problem. problem. Yep. All that, you know, they make three, four, five, six, 700 grand a year, yeah. you know, where at your entry level, you know, your yeah. section eight and all that, it's just different. Yeah. You know, and we do own the whole spectrum, but I can say as we've uh, progressed in our investing, uh, like you said, I, I've noticed myself shift towards, I don't know if convenience is the right word or safety because the depth of the luxury market in our market, it's not that deep. Yeah. You know, so if we flood the market with too many high end rentals, we're going to bring everything down. Yeah. But there is value. I, I know investors listening will cringe when I say that I've bought five or five or six new construction homes, brand new from the builder really? to turn into rentals. Really? Now we, we get very aggressive offers and we knew when their fiscal year ended specifically oh, nice. through a national builder. And we knew when they had to get units out the door and got two for $75,000 off wow. two days before the end of their fiscal year. And they had to post numbers, you know, so having that extra depth of knowledge. Yeah. Uh, but still they were brand new homes. They had a warranty. Yeah. We had the tenants call the warranty line instead of even calling us, <laughs> you know, so some of that's, there's value to that. Yeah, and, and that's it, why you want a good agent, not just a <laughs> smiley, friendly one. Yeah, right you know, there. and it, if people actually run true, true, accurate maintenance allocations, yeah. and not have their property just turn into a raging pile of crap over the years, yeah. if they run real numbers on maintenance, I think they'd be surprised at oh, yeah. the the gap between newer, not not new, but newer properties 
compared to the 60s built piles of junk. Yep. You know, the numbers aren't as, uh, the gap's not as big as you'd think. Yeah. Well, when you talk to older investors that have invested in real estate and you ask them, what advice do you have for me starting off? Everyone I've ever talked to has said location, location, location. All this other stuff we talk about just goes right out the window from someone that's done it for 50 years. And they say, buy in the right area with the best schools. The appreciation you get will trump any bit of cash flow that you thought was important and you won't have the headaches. And there's something to be said for understanding. Like, I think Brandon and I had a conversation about this and we were both trying to work our way through it, that you could literally go buy a $10 million mansion in Beverly Hills and lose a couple thousand dollars a month because the rent wouldn't cover your mortgage. But if you looked at your tax savings and your principal reduction and your increasing rent and the overall value of that mansion going from 10 million to 20 million over 10 years or 20 years or something, you would make insanely more money than if you bought a handful of cash flowing places somewhere in the Midwest that just crept up. And, and when you get into that cash flow is all that matters mindset, you, you miss the big picture of what you're describing, which is you built your net worth with that, with a handful of properties so much more than the people we interview that say, Oh, I've got 110 doors out there somewhere where they don't get much appreciation and they have a ton of headaches because not all money is good money. Some of it is just blood money, man. Like you bought yourself a job. <laughs> yeah. You did not buy an investment. But it's also yeah. where it's also where we talk about the like different phases of your investment, right? In the beginning, like yes. I said, in the beginning, cash flow is all that matter. I like to say cash flow gives you freedom, but appreciation yep. gives you wealth. Sure. Right. So like the cash flow, like in like again, I don't regret buying that the $30,000 junk crap house that rented for $700 a month. I don't regret that because it helped me get out of my job. Like those properties got me out, which gave me the ability to start building more wealth. Mm -hmm. And as my investment in yours, I can see that yours is kind of the same way. It starts shifting. You can start playing a little bit more appreciation. So just because like we're talking this conversation now, doesn't mean everyone listening is like, oh, you know, screw it. I'm going to go out and lose money on a Beverly Hills mansion, <laughs> right? Like that's probably a terrible idea. But call like, David Green for yeah, a $10 million exactly. house. Exactly. Call David Green. He'll, he'll represent <laughs> yeah. you on that. He'll tell you it's a great deal. But there is something to say. In fact, just another day, I was talking to a buddy of mine who said he just hung out on a boat with a billionaire, this billionaire real estate investor. And uh, he got invited to some special with mastermind thing. With a B. Yeah, yeah. billionaire. <laughs> and the guy's advice was, well, I'm like basically what he said is back in the starting in the 70s and 80s, I just read a book that said location, location, location. And that I read one book and I was like, all right, so I'm just going to buy a good location. So he's like, I just kept buying properties in the best locations around the country I could find. And he made really good. I don't remember what he did. He had some actually job that made really good money. He's like every property I bought lost money. Every single one. Oh. I just, I would buy property that lost money. It didn't matter. It just lost money. But I just, I knew that one book told me to buy a location. So I just did. And today all those properties are worth over a billion dollars. There you <laughs> go. Cause I just, and that's probably how it would work for everyone else too. <laughs> you, you gave such a, a you gave such a good example. Those first cash flow properties that we're all buying, they get us out of the rat race. They get yes. us out of the, my nose is in the grindstone. All I can see is my boss and small thinking. They're this little box that you step on that you can peek over the fence. And as you peek over that fence, you're like, Oh my God, there's people that are making a lot more money than me <laughs> that are not nearly as smart as I am. Right. Look at that guy. He sits in front of his pool all day long. He doesn't even try. And he, well, what is he doing? And when you get that perspective, that's when you can start taking advantage of these other opportunities. But you do need to get those first few deals, which do need to cash flow. And that's why we always talk about it. And Brandon has a perfect strategy for anyone who wants to do this. And he calls it the stack. The Brandon, stack. can you tell us how, how the stack works to do what we're saying? I guess. Sure. So for those that have not heard the stack, basically what it is, it's your idea. You're when you're first getting started. You buy a house, like a single family house, maybe, or maybe a duplex, whatever. Then a whole year later, you double that and you buy a, no, you go from a house to a duplex. 
Now, if you've already bought the house, that was really hard to buy the house when you're getting started. So then you buy the duplex and that was hard, but probably equally as hard as buying the single family. You got some experience and knowledge, money coming in. Then the next year, a whole year later, you buy a fourplex or maybe two duplexes, whatever. Don't get, everyone don't get caught up on the actual like specifics here, but and then eight plex the year after, 16, 32, 64. And maybe it looks more like one, five, 10, 50,000. You know, like, oh, yeah. I doubt you're going to go from a 50 unit <laughs> to a thousand unit, but whatever. The idea being exponential growth. What yeah. The reason that's so powerful because it forces you continually outside of your comfort zone to scale exponentially versus what's, what's comfortable is I'm going to buy a house and then another house and then another house. Mm. And it might take you 20, 30 years to get an, enough property to be able to make anything of it. But when you scale exponentially, it constantly pushes you outside that comfort zone. So anyway, yeah, like you know, we felt it maybe it wasn't size of units, but it yeah. ended up being to a degree, but our goal was to buy one house a year. Yeah. You know, and then, wow, well, that's getting real easy. Well, maybe we should yeah. do two this year. Yeah. Then we had yeah. a year we did two, then we, yep. year we did three. And then we had, you know, a couple months where we did three, Yeah, you know, where, yeah, it just got easier and easier. Yep. And um, it could even be like the stack doesn't even necessarily mean, I mean, unit number it could be, you know, hey, I bought a hundred thousand of property this year. I bought two hundred thousand dollars of properties next year. Then yeah. four hundred thousand the year after. Then eight hundred. You know, there, there's a lot of ways you could look at it. Yeah, the key is growth. Are you growing? Are you stepping outside your comfort zone? And you guys definitely have been. Yeah, it, it, we're we're at a cusp again where we've been comfortable for far too long. Yep. So we got to figure next. out what the next step is. Yeah. Uh, and maybe it, next is just relax and go sail around the world in a boat. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. We taper down, or you know, I, I could see us going one of two directions, but they're vastly different. Yeah. Uh, you know, slowing down, paying off, or really ramping things up. Yeah. If uh, Beardy Brandon needs a partner in a mobile home <laughs> complex. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it, uh, but you know, David, I want to backtrack. You mentioned location. We were adamant on that. Every single property we own except one is in Fort Collins. Yeah. I firmly believe in our city and looking historically, not just, you know, warm and fuzzies, but looking at actual data of the performance we've seen. Because we have considered out of state and we've looked at other markets and I have some partners in my company that have invested out of, mar- uh, you know, out of state. Um, and for all the reasons we just discussed. Yeah. I believe I've made the right decision. We'll see if that uh, continues to hold true. Yeah. And, you know, on the stack. The first one, you just need to buy a house. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't even care if it makes money. Yep. Like, and I know that's contradictory to bigger pockets philosophy. <laughs> no, I agree with it. Yeah, just get something. As far as getting your feet wet, yeah, you just need to buy a house, and it doesn't even matter what it is. Yeah, just to overcome that initial fear and start your perceptual yeah. map. Totally agree. You just need to buy a house. Yep. I mean, my brother, uh, older than me, he owned a condo in Windsor that for a season of like five years, it lost two hundred dollars a month. It's a turd. Yeah. I mean, it is, you know, by any metrics of looking at a rental, you think, man, this thing sucks. Yeah. It still is positive if you look at all the yeah. benefits of owning real estate with taxes and appreciation and all that. And now, just this year, he's a millionaire. Wow. You know, so even riding through a dog yep. that went through a pretty cyclical market. You know, but that was one of his first rentals of getting his feet wet. Yeah. And now he owns, you know, a good number of doors in Arizona and is kicking butt That's on cool. owning what most people would consider a loser and take their chips and go home. You know, oh, real estate sucks. I don't want to do this anymore because it didn't work out. Even though it, it didn't didn't work out. It's still a winner. Yeah. Even though it feels like a loser. So I'd, that'd be my advice to anybody. Just buy a house. That's awesome. So let, let's shift a little bit. I want to get deeper into one of your properties, uh, give people an idea of what that looks like. So why don't we go to the deal deep dive?
All right, Deal Deep Dive. This is the part of the show where we dive deep into one yeah. of your particular deals. So uh, you got a deal in mind? I do. All right, we're going to drill you on like seven questions. And I don't actually have my questions in front of you because I don't have my computer in front of me today. Yeah. So I'm going to hopefully not screw this up. Number one, what kind of deal was this and where was it at? Yeah, so in Fort Collins. All right. It is a triplex, a conforming legal triplex. Okay. Uh, for people that know Fort Collins, it's on Mountain Avenue. It's Mountain on Avenue. about the most expensive street in the city of Fort Collins. All right. David? Do you remember what hey, they how did? Yeah, how did you find this deal? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I jokingly say that someone had to punch me in the face, get the light bulb to turn on. <laughs> uh, it was through my real estate business. Okay. It was one of my sellers who asked me to list this triplex, and I was just getting everything ready, getting ready to list it, going through. I'd sold another property for her, and at the time, we only owned two properties. My perceptual map wasn't very big. I, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And back then, there was a lot I didn't know. Throughout the course of getting ready to list it, she had told me a few times, well, yeah, and if people don't qualify, you know, I could help with the loan. And I just, you know, with my very limited knowledge at that time, I thought, oh, well, we don't want those buyers. Like, if they don't qualify, <laughs> we don't want them to buy the house because sure, that'll sure. be a pain and the deal probably won't close. So by about the third or fourth time she said that, and one of my partners said, hey, man, that's a pretty cool property. Can I buy it? And then I went home thinking, well, I should try to buy it. Well, I can't buy it. And I don't know if I thought about her. Sarah slapped me in the face and said, hey, dummy. She said she'll help <laughs> she with a loan. Help, yeah. Call her and ask her if she'll help with a loan. So we uh, called the seller, said, hey, you, you know, you mentioned your interest in financing the property. We said it's probably worth, at the time, I think we said it was worth 310 315 I said, what if I give you 325 for it? And, you know, again, respecting boundaries of an agent, not yeah. letting the market, you know, property go to market and all that. But would you be interested in doing the loan? And she said, uh, yeah, sure. We had a good relationship. And she said, well, how much money do you have down? I said, well, that's the thing. I don't really have any money. Would you be interested in financing the whole property? And she said, great. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> and then she said, uh, you know, what interest rate? And I said, well, I pulled up on the internet and showed the banks. I said, you know, the banks will lend me the money about X if I went out and got an owner-occupied loan, yeah. which at that time we could have in that stage of the journey. Sure. Um, so we did a 30-year fix, 100% finance triplex at uh, 4.75. Wow. That's so awesome. at closing, we actually got paid. Because of the tenant sales. security deposits, oh, okay, prorated that. rents, yeah. and all of that. We, we got paid at closing to own a triplex on one of the most desirable streets in the entire city. You know, and as far as framing perception of a win-win deal, yeah. uh, the property when she owned it was grossly under-rented. Um, she was only getting combined about $1,500 a month in rents. And once we moved in, we did some immediate renovations just personally. I was doing all that. And the first cycle, we turned it over. We doubled the rents. Wow. Uh, but mm. our fixed payment to her was $1,700 a month. So she was making more money yeah. with no maintenance mm -hmm. liability. Yep. So she was thrilled with the deal. It truly was you know, win-win for her. We were stoked because we got into a cool property on one of the most desirable streets in Fort Collins. Um, and now it is built in 1885 which for us is quite old. Yeah. So there's some di different maintenance liabilities, but that property that we paid 325 for is now worth somewhere in the 900 range. Oh my gosh. And we wow. are getting like 4600 a month in gross rents. Wow. Uh, so it's do you ever talk to her and does she kick herself or so? Uh, we don't. Um, <laughs> we don't talk about that. But uh, it's, <laughs> no, we, uh, uh, you know, older, she was yeah. an older gal selling off part of the portfolio. Yeah. That was more of a headache. Yeah. Um, but it was one of those things, again, the light bulb didn't come on 
I just didn't know hard money was a thing or private loans were a thing or God forbid opening my, the doors in my brain to think, Hey, I need to be aware of these things. Yeah. You know know what's crazy about this? There There are people that would not have bought that deal. Because you said I offered three twenty five and she wanted three fifteen. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that the, that number would have just no. I'm not overpaying, I'm not overpaying for a property. For property. Yep, no, like, screw that. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, I agree, David. And that's one thing we have been skilled about in some of that area: seeing the forest through the trees. Mm-hmm. You know what I tell all my investors: if any any deal we're looking at, I don't care if you're underpaying for it, overpaying for it, whatever. If any deal doesn't work over a number of ten to fifteen thousand dollars. You shouldn't be investing in real estate. Yeah. And our price, I mean, you don't want to blow 10 G's on a $30,000 house. I get that. But if you buy a house, for example, in in Fort Collins market, Northern Colorado market, and God forbid the day after closing septic system goes out and you have to pay 10, 15 G's to fix it. Yeah. If you're so pissed off that you never wanted to invest in real estate to start with, you probably shouldn't be investing in real estate. Yeah. You know, I think you need to go into it with your big boy pants on or big girl pants a little bit and know that there are unforeseen challenges. You know, speaking of unforeseen challenges, we'll sidebar really quick. We've got a property, uh, which was our first first experience with methamphetamine. Ooh. Oh, that's right. You mentioned that the other day. I wanted to dig in on that a little bit. Yeah. So it it was after we owned it for a while. We had owned it for a number of years. We got notified of a police report of uh, some bad stuff going on. And in the moment, it was a very unpleasant experience. And out of pocket, insurance doesn't touch it. Out of pocket, we spent $32,000 fixing the problem. Wow. Which is a newer investor that that's a problem. Yeah. You know, that's unpleasant. Um, we paid for it all. And I had a number of investor friends and client and, and then my friends that don't invest. Oh my God. How much do you regret buying that? Yeah. Idiot. <laughs> you know, and we got a lot of that. Like, Oh, you're a sucker dude. Like that yeah. just, that- so we paid $305,000 for the property today. It's probably worth six seventy five. Wow. Yeah. Do you regret I that? I don't really care yeah. about $32,000 yep. and not to sound flipping right. about a large amount of money. Yeah. But again, seeing the forest through the trees, it's all good. Yeah. You know, it overweighs the headaches and the challenges. But anyway, yeah. back to the deal deep dive. Yeah. It, deal it, deep dive. What else? Is there anything so else? Uh, you, literally, you literally answered every single question. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I pulled it up and I was going down them. The only thing less is what did you learn from the deal? And you might have answered that when you said, I learned to see the forest, not the trees. Yeah. That, I mean, and it was really in that moment. And you know, to really try to expand your perceptual map, you know, I mean, once you start, I mean, they talk about your reticular activator. Like if you talk yeah. about a green Jeep, all you're going to see is green Jeeps, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, so I didn't know any about hard money, but then once I knew about hard money, it's like, oh crap, like there's a whole different yeah. ball game here. I'm not aware of. Um, and even to this day, as we've done reasonably well, I know there's so much more that I'm not, a, you know, mobile home parks or apartments or syndications or all this other stuff yeah. that, I don't know. My, my biggest encouragement for the listeners would be there's so much good information available on bigger pockets and other resources. If you're not taking advantage of it, you're an idiot and you shouldn't, you really shouldn't be investing because yeah. it's free. Yeah. It, there, there's so many resources now that if, if they were around when I started, I'm an idiot. I was the idiot. <laughs> you know, I, I, I just didn't know there was this other avenue. I mean, wealth of information. Yeah. Um, so you don't, you don't need to go into it blindly anymore and just trip through it. You know, you can have a depth of knowledge starting. Isn't there a meme going around where he whispers it's free real estate? (laughs) Yeah, I've seen it. It's free real estate. That's bigger pockets for you right there. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think what I love about your story the most that you just said is uh, 
you you made so much equity on each of these deals, even though you did what some people would say, like what an amateur would look at as overpaying. And instead, you've instead of having to do this over 10 deals, you did it over one deal. You probably have very little headaches on a property that's $900,000 property there. The tenants are like top notch. You don't have to deal with them very often. You could totally afford to upgrade that house with really nice stuff so you get really good tenants. They probably don't call you very often when things break because they don't want to bug you. They fix it themselves. You just end up with the perfect investment as opposed to the job of now managing 15 properties to get the same result where it's a constant headache from the tenants that are asking you for everything every month. Yeah, if you could, uh, if you're an engineer and you could design like a Canon laser printer that just shoots out hundred dollar bills, it's that <laughs> it's that property. Yeah, I mean, it's just, even being a hundred and what is it now, hundred and thirty five years old. Yeah, like I said, there's some different maintenance issues. It prints money. Yeah, I mean, we make net probably twenty five hundred a month off one property. That's crazy. Which, yeah. like you said, for the basic investor or the you know the first time investor. When we bought it, it lost two to three hundred dollars a month. Yeah, crazy. You know, just rents compared to mortgage, not even yeah. factoring maintenance. Yeah, you know, they would have ran it through your whole calculator, like, oh my god, this thing loses a thousand dollars a month. Yep. You know, so it didn't it didn't pen out just looking at it, you know, just by the numbers in a calculator at all. Yeah. But seeing the bigger picture, I mean, it's it's our favorite property. It's our baby. That's cool. Um, That's cool. I yeah. like that story a lot. That's neat. And I, I also have a property that was like 18, I think it was 1888 or 1890. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of my, if not my favorite, one of my favorite properties. I, I really like it a lot. And yeah, there's a little bit more different maintenance. Stuff. I actually don't know, don't have bad maintenance concerns there, but a little bit, when they do happen, they're a little more expensive to deal with. Yeah. $10,000 boiler. Yeah. And, yeah. It's like a little know. bit annoying <laughs> stuff, but overall, like. Man, that property just prints money for me too. So yeah. anyway, very cool. All right, well, we are going to move on. We're actually going to skip the fire round because I don't have any fire round questions because I don't have a computer in front of me today. Uh, and uh, those are the ones from the forum. So we're gonna just going to bypass that completely and jump right into Famous Four. All right, before we get to the Famous Four, let's hear about what's going on this week over on the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast. Hey there, Brandon. Our guest this week is actually a good buddy of yours, and he's also a fantastic entrepreneur. His name is Peter Awid, and after a roller coaster journey, he co-founded a really successful and really awesome meat snack company. He's going to teach us what it means to slow hustle, and we'll learn about how Peter has built a business that fits his values and lets him take control over his time, something we all want to do as entrepreneurs. So check us out on Tuesday. Now, back to the Famous Four. All right, Famous Four. These are the same four questions we ask every guest every week, and we're going to throw them at you right now. So number one, Robert. Yes. Favorite real estate investing book? I don't know if I'd say favorite, but most impactful, Rich Dad Port. I have to defer to everybody. Nice. You know, that's what got the, just the candle lit, you know, of, hey. Yeah. And for me. I didn't have, you know, my parents are amazing. They taught us, you know, all sorts of great things. But as far as a depth of financial education, short of like, hey, don't go into a bunch of debt, you know, buy a house when you're young. Beyond that, I don't know that I knew the term asset and liability and some of those base foundation blocks. Um, So it was instrumental in changing our thought process on that. Cool. Yeah. Uh, number two. Next question. What is your favorite business book? Business. I, I got to cheat and say a few. Okay. I, uh, you know, Brandon and I were talking that uh, I love Audible and that you can crank it up to 2x speed yeah. <laughs> so I can just cram so much more in. Um, pieces of a lot of books, you know, never split the difference. Chris Foss recently, there was some gold nuggets there that were just 
exceptional. Um, Brandon's delightful wife, Heather Turner, and the book on managing rental properties Woo-hoo. by Bigger Pockets. Uh, that for my business, um, I, I'm ashamed to say that I lessened to more recently this year, but it will change my business in the way I manage my real estate business in that the hours it's going to save me of explaining this to every single young investor I work with. Um, Cause I do, I, my business, I build a lot of young investors. We've got a lot of young guys that are, I mean, I've got a buddy that owns 11 doors, another one with six, another one with eight. My little brother, Ben, 24 years old is working on his fourth unit right now. Oh, no way. That's awesome. He's got a legal duplex, finishing a basement, kicking butt for those young investors. Again, you know, David talks about, you know, ramping up a high volume real estate business. Yeah. I don't have the time to go through some of that. So that book, I'm excited. Oh, I'm going to go buy 15 (laughs) copies to keep my office and just every closing. Hey, read through this. If it doesn't handle the topic, give me a holler. We'll spitball through it. Um, So that's exceptional. What else? There's an older book, Smart Talk by Lou Tice. I don't know. For mindset is very good. I mean, there's the four hour work week parts of it. Yeah. You know, if I could take 25% of each of these books and just jam them together, it'd be the unicorn of business books. Was that a coconut just fell? <laughs> <laughs> the sky is falling. Yeah. You got to go get that, Ryan. We got to show these people what this is. That's hilarious. Yeah, like every once in a while, I'm like sitting in my office here, and all of a sudden I hear, thunk, dun, 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 <laughs> splash. Oh, like a coconut yeah. falls off a tree, bounces down. In, into the pool? Yeah, into the pool. This time it didn't fall oh, in the pool. That's this funny. One, it sounded like it might have put a jump. Yeah, there we go. Gate. Look at this thing. Maui Fresh. Maui Fresh <laughs> pie, uh, coconut. We're going to have to cut this thing open later. Isn't that cool? Here, my catch. It's heavy. <laughs> nice catch. All right. Anyway, funny. Okay. Uh, where were we? We were talking business books. Okay. Book, so yeah. next, David. Next up, what are some of your hobbies? Hobbies. Uh, I like working on houses. Nice. Uh, we like traveling, like we talked about. Uh, venturing into sailing. We're not big sailors, but we will be. Yeah. A lot of old man sports: softball, volleyball, <laughs> mountain biking. You know, off road and all that stuff. We stay pretty active. Cool. Uh, yeah. All right. Last question for me. What do you think separates successful real estate investors from those who give up, fail, or never get started? Probably grit. I mean, it boils down to, or, you know, I've heard it defined as, do you have a big enough why? Yeah. And your why doesn't even need to be real estate. Why do you want to invest? Because yeah. if you don't have a, a, a passion or does, I mean, everybody's, yeah, I want to make some money. Yeah, I want to be rich, yeah. but no one's willing to do what it takes to do it. If your why is big enough, I think you'll find out how. Yeah. And some bravery, you know, taking that first step. Yeah. Just getting after it. Cause there's no, there's no excuse anymore for education. There's no excuse anymore for ability, Yeah, you know, in the land of the free in the USA and the knowledge that's available, those are not excuses anymore. You know, you just gotta, you gotta want it bad enough to get after it. I don't think we've talked about, I don't know if anybody's ever used that word bravery before here on the show for that answer to that question. Can you think of any that ever been given David? I, I can't. Like, Nothing even close to that bravery, but I love that. Like at some level you have to be willing to just go, you know what? I'm scared. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm nervous. I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Well, and if you're okay. that guy like us, that first rentals yeah. d- joined a real estate and, and a company, mind you that the desk fees 30, well, depending with an office, $37,000 a year wow. desk fee. Yeah. And we had $900 in our checking account. <laughs> you know, or if you're in that yeah. market, you know, if you're in D- Detroit or Kansas, wherever else, yeah. and you've got 50 bucks, yeah, there's ways to buy houses. There are. You know, you just got to get through enough no's to find the guy that says yes. Yeah. Which, 
But if you're in that situation, who cares if your credit score gets screwed up? (laughs) You know, like get after it. That's the time to take on the risk. Be brave. Be bold. Yeah. Well, you gave a good example in your deep dive of how you did that very same thing. Didn't have any money, made it work for the other person. Like all the pieces were in place because it was a great deal. You could add value to the rents. It was a really good location. You just went all out and said, whatever I got to do to get this property, I'm going to do it. And it wasn't even that hard. The agent was like, oh, yeah, okay, I can do that. Yeah, I mean, you know, inter- your self-talk is telling you, oh, this is a little bit scary. But like you said, everybody was stoked and smiling and laughing at closing. Yeah. You That's know, cool. it was, you know, be bold, be brave. Get after it. Or find right. a why. If you don't have a why, find a why. Yeah. Very, very good. Very good. So, so I'll let David, I'll let you take the last question and uh, we'll wrap this I like thing that. up today. I like that. Find a why. We should write a blog post on that and put the cover of like alphabet soup. Like some got to get a spoon and they're looking for the why in the alphabet soup. <laughs> well, find, I was find thinking we should a t-shirt. This is find your why. And then you could do the alphabet soup. Find yeah, your why. That's, that's even better. That's why you're the marketer. I'm oh, the so marketer. Good. Cause then we can sell it for $20 and make five bucks a t-shirt. Mm. Like I said, if you want to sit around and watch dance with the stars, you don't need rentals. Yeah. You right? don't need, yeah. Who needs it? Just sit around <laughs> watching dance with the stars all day <laughs> in your t-shirt. All right. Last question. Uh, Robert, this has been fantastic. I've really loved you as a guest. I also think I should point out that you sound a lot like, I think Brian, the dog from family guy. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> and we did interview Mark Henteman, one of the producers of family guy. So he, if you ever need like a, a job, and he needs a backup for Brian. I think we could probably connect <laughs> you with connect that. You. Yeah, if we need some additional yeah. voiceover, you know, yeah. I can get some additional streams of income, some yep. Go Bundan style here. There you go. I can yeah. do voiceover Brian. That'd be great. <laughs> God, you're like the perfect guest. Okay. <laughs> for those who want to buy a house in Colorado, sell a house, or just simply learn more about your fascinating brain, how can they find out more about you? Yeah. So uh, I'm not on a lot of platforms, but my website is easy. It's Robert for Real Estate. Robert F O R. Oh, F O R. Real estate. So really easy. Robert for real estate. You can't forget it. It's stuck on my truck. It's on my scooter, my bicycles. My wife says I should tattoo it on my forehead. You probably should. Backwards uh, if you remember it. Yeah, that way if you're looking in a mirror, you can see it. uh, But yeah, that's easy. That's where I'm at. Realestate.com. That's it. Cool. All right. Well, this has been a fantastic show. Thank you very much for joining me in the sea shed. Not the she shed, the sea <laughs> shed today. And the uh, she said by the sea shed. Yeah. The sea shed by the she shed. And uh, I don't know. I'll let David, uh, you take it out today. All right. Thank you very much, Robert. This is David Green for Brandon Speed Dating Real Estate Bachelor Turner signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. 
Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.